They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, we've got a two-parter that's contained to one episode. Who knew that DC could do that? Legion of Superheroes number 274, The Exaggerated Death of Ultra Boy. Published April 1981. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Steve Ditko. Synopsis. Jonah is dead. Long live Jonah. I don't know how to describe this, Matthew, because um, we've we've kind of teased it in previous episodes. And based on the huge number of Legion of Clubhouse fans out there who have been commenting on the Twitter posts that I have done in the last couple of days, literally mm-hmm. will not stop tweeting and liking. This is a highly controversial pair of issues, Legion 274 and Legion 275. This is the quote-unquote, well, not really quote-unquote, it's the exaggerated death of Ultra Boy. Boy, 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 boy. And so this is picking up from the events of the previous issue Mm -hmm. where uh, Pulsar Stargrave apparently killed Ultra Boy, and now this is the fallout where everyone is like, Oh, we must have a funeral for a friend. <laughs> Burial for a buddy. Yeah. Mausoleum so, for a mensch. So this, this, there's a couple of interesting things about this. Number one, I, I wonder if Jerry Conway is a fan of Disney's black hole movie because mm-hmm. the whole trippy exaggerate. Well, there's two reasons for this, but the whole trippy mm-hmm. exaggerated aspect of ultra boy floating in and through space and, and wondering, are you dead? Are you not dead? Mm-hmm. Feels very much like after the party of, uh, what was it? The Pastramo, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Palomino, the Palomino go through the black hole, the Palomino go through the black hole in the and they have that really weird trippy, you know, spiritual, uh, right. experience, both they for the heaven and the hell the, segment. Right. They travel through some sort of weird, stained glass window and follow an angel. Yeah. yeah. It happens. So I, I wonder if Jerry Conway is a fan of the black hole and that's why he wrote it this way. Or <laughs> if the hippie trippy dippy space stuff is all because Steve Ditko is doing the art on this issue and he's still on his Dr. Strange, uh, trippiness. It's possible because I mean, it, this second person narration thing is actually kind of cool, but it's all like, but man, Steve Ditko on the Legion just feels wrong. Why is that? Why why do you think that is? Because I really didn't have a problem with the art overall and knowing that it was Steve Ditko and knowing mm -hmm. where he had been just previous to this Mm -hmm. really feels kind of like this feels in line with, with what Steve Ditko would do. Uh, I don't know if I remember correctly, Steve Ditko was a, was he a socialist? Uh, He was a, wasn't he a follower of Ayn Rand? Uh, I can't remember what they call objectivism, perhaps. Oh, right, 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 right. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but. Yeah, he was thing, an objectivist. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's weird about this is, you know, we open with this really weird, and you're right, it's very much Doctor Strange visuals, with Ultra Boy just sort of flying through space. And the implication that 
he flies through a sun, so I'm not sure if he's like intangible or if he's invulnerable. Well, no, I don't think he. Like, oh. I don't think he flies through a sun. I think he passes through like the outer corona of a sun, which still is incredibly uh, hot, right? Yeah. But it's kind of like he space warps around it, which, mm-hmm. you know, where he ends up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's the next issue where we find out where he ends up. Mm-hmm. For as much space floating and star passing by uh, that he's doing, I don't think mm-hmm. Steve Ditko or Jerry Conway understand how the solar yeah. system works. No, writers writers have no sense of scale, especially in space stories. And I think Jerry is, is really not necessarily looking so much at this as a space story, as kind of a weird metaphysical journey, because mm-hmm. in every panel there's like five planets and comets yeah, yeah, and... Yeah. And that's you why know, I was wondering if this was a, if this was a black hole inspiration, because as I mentioned in the last episode, I was talking about how a lot of the the inspiration that we see in Legion of Superheroes is uh, science fiction based uh, Star mm-hmm. Trek that we see a lot of. But we don't see a lot of space fantasy in Legion of Superheroes, a, a la uh, Star Wars stuff. But right. the metaphysical stuff. I'd be very interested if somebody gets up, uh, you know, smokes a little bit too much or eats a little bit too many mushrooms <laughs> on their lunch break. And if the Legion ever does go down that weird Steve Ditko, uh, Dr. Strange, what was his other one that he did? That was his own self-publishing thing. That was uh, not Ditko the question. A bunch of weird stuff. Uh, there was Mr. E Maybe, or Mr. Well, a rather. It was the, did, it's, um, it's not the question, but it is the question. Yeah, maybe that's who it is. Mr. A, I guess. Yeah, Mr. A. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another objectivist reference to A is A. Things are what they mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Uh, But at least we know that Foreigner reads Legion of Superhero comics. Because at one point, uh, I think it's uh, Phantom Girl says, I want to know what love is. And right. so we know that Forner read this and was like, oh, God, this is a great lyric for a future song. <laughs> ultra boy show me. Yeah. See, it makes perfect sense. But no, before really. we can get to uh, Phantom Girl having her her breakdown over the loss of her one true love, we have to have that funeral for a friend. And so we need to go to the uh, Hall of Fallen Heroes. The Fallen Holland Hall of Valhalla. And yes, we still get Pharaoh lad. Yes, we still get uh, phantom. What is it? Phantom boy. Um, invisible kid. Invisible kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what Chemical the heck King. is Tyrock? Why does Ky- Tyrock have a statue? I think, and this is the only time I can recall seeing a Tyrock statue. I think the implication is that Tyrock is lost to them. I mean, he's but he's not, not dead. dead. He's not coming back. Theoretically. But he's not dead. That's the thing that really surprises me because it's just like, okay, Tyrock uses his screaming powers to open up a gateway so two of the the Legion members can get back to their own dimension. Right. And yet they're just so willing to just say, well, Tyrock's dead. I guess we're going to make a statue out of him. He's lost to them. He's not dead. He's just on a farm somewhere where he can run and play. I mean, does that mean, I mean, why then doesn't Bouncing Boy have a statue? I mean, he had to leave. Shouldn't he just be lost to them as well? Well, no, he was just back like three issues ago. Tyrock what about Matter Eater? What about Matter dimension? Eater, lad? He has gone insane. Shouldn't he have a statue? Now you're just being. I, I just, I am just really surprised what this means by uh, he is lost to them because I'm just like, 
Hyrox not dead, you guys. He's just in another dimension. It's like he's on an ex- he's literally on an extended vacation for like two hundred and seventy some years. <laughs> Actually, it turns out to be something like twenty, but still, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I like. I say I don't recall ever seeing Tyrock having a statue before or since. I'm sure it was so, just a what are the Legion members that are not here and somebody not right. paying attention because. If I am not mistaken, and I and I think a lot of the uh, Twitter peoples who were commenting mm-hmm. on this issue, is there not a is there not a statue of Reflecto in there? Mm, or who's the I'm who's not. the kid who is the kid on the far left side panel in that in that shot? Is that Chemical King? Chemical, Chemical King, King, yeah, Chemical. is the far left. Okay, okay. Chemical, Chemical King is right there on the left, and then Invisible Kid. But there seems to be a Legionnaire, maybe Cosmic Boy, in the background between the statues right, of Chemical right. King and Invisible Kid. Right. I know. Some and I thought were... for a minute that that was a statue. Yeah, the way it's colored, I was like, "Oh, is is there telling us something about uh, Cosmic Boy?" Uh, so that's that was something. But I did see a lot of people mention uh, Reflecto, and. Mm-hmm how that was, you know, the, when Superman of the future went and visited and he's like, Oh, here's all of my fallen heroes. And if somebody had mistakenly put a reflecto statue in there, because kind of looks like reflectos, uh, costume a little bit on the, on the far left side. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I don't really see it. And of course, as we'll find out reflecto and ultra boy and Superman all or Superboy all have a strange connection with one another. Yeah. In the next couple of episodes, I guess. Anyway, Turns out, yeah, one, two, three, four, five statues is what we see mm-hmm. in this shot. So ah, it's it's sad when one of your heroes is gone forever. Mm-hmm. Are you dead gone. or are you not dead? Or have you been picked up by a strange spaceship? Starman waiting in the sky to be picked up by a tractor beam. I will say this, Ditko draws Joe's weird fringy boots really cool. Uh, but this whole sequence where he gets picked up and he's, I mean, he's literally doing a Jesus crucifixion pose as he's being pulled <laughs> into the ship yeah. is just a bit much for me. And then, of course, we cut to the most, in, in some ways, realistic, but also unpleasant scene of the issue where where Saturn girl tries to comfort phantom girl about the loss of her boyfriend. She's like, I think we should talk. And, and phantom girl just blows up at her. And well, she's yeah, like, cause she's you, grieving. You don't know. You're an ice maiden. You're, you're evil. You're bad. You don't understand love. And I'm just like, wow. Oh man. I think she's and going I, through those, those seven stages uh, or the five stages of grief. Five stages right? of grief. Yeah. Which are what it's, it's uh shock and denial. Fear. Pain Brief, and guilt, fear, anger yeah. and bargaining, depression, uh-huh. uh, and then you get into the and then wanting, reconstruction wanting and working your, your through, boyfriend. and then acceptance and hope. So she's <laughs> definitely in the anger and bargaining stage, right? Oh, until yeah. she is mad. Until Saturn Girl uh, does the uh, the Vulcan whammy on her and makes her see all the good and happy times yes. of uh, that the two of them had together, which does bring up a question. Uh, at what point does Saturn girl become kind of the de facto, uh, counselor for the Legion, the, the Diana Troy, so to speak of, of the Legion. I, she's kind of had that role. She's sort of like the elder statesman, uh, female member, but yeah, this is really the point where she starts transitioning from just one of the team to being kind of like the team mom. 
uh, not too long down the road, a literal mom, but that's, you know, another couple of episodes, but yeah, we don't I talk l- about, uh, we don't talk about, uh, <laughs> but I like this moment because she doesn't get angry. She doesn't, you know, yell back or lash out. She just tries to do something nice to break through that wall of anger and, you know, telepathically reminds her all of the good things. And I'm like, that's a really sweet moment. It's really, it's, you know, it's nice character work for both of them. And then you have, you know, it takes place in the middle of this story. So. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, 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 I find that interesting. Also, there's a creepy panel on here where she's mm. grabbing uh right when um, uh, Phantom Girl is crying. You remember in mm. OMAC in, in the uh, Jack Kirby OMAC where he goes down and discovers like, uh, I think it was the robot that he loved is like encased in a concrete yes. block and the disassembled face and her, yeah, yeah, yeah. her legs and face sticking out. Yeah. Hi, yeah, yeah. my That's name what is that, Hilda. That is what that panel reminds me of. And it just creeps me out whenever I look at it. That is, that is really creepy. And also Ditko's take on, um, Saturn girl's pink costume makes it look like her suit is shrinking even more. Because that bikini is really low, and I'm 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 at the point where I'm officially ready for her to get back into her red and white clothes here in a few issues. Because well, hopefully oh. we'll we'll have to see. Uh, but if meanwhile, lives, you know, w- you know uh, Ultra Boy has been picked up by the Space Pirates. Yeah, so I'll say this, and I, I made a comment on the free about ship this. Antares, matey. I made a comment about this in the for the next episode, but I think it's appropriate here because there is a a panel that has all the pirates looking at him uh, together. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. These aliens that uh, <laughs> Jimmy Jane and Steve Ditko are drawing are like a weird cross between the muscle men and the little weirdos. Do you remember those things from uh, <laughs> from the 1980s? The men from muscle. Yeah. The Kinakuman figures from Japan. Oh, yeah. Was, these little uh, rubbery figures. Sometimes, you know, like McDonald's would have these little uh, these little figures that you would come with your Happy Meal or something and they would be all mm-hmm. muscle men or aliens or whatever. And then you had the little weirdos, which were those little, these little finger puppet mutants. things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of what these aliens look like. It kind of creeps me out. I'm just thinking, you know, the Star Wars cantina scene. Yeah, maybe. Do we know why Steve Ditko is doing the art here? I mean, I I, I see him on one issue. Mm-hmm. I guess he's on like every other issue, I guess, maybe to keep up with everything. No, he's only on two issues that I see, and then he's like gone. Yeah, he did the uh, the Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel backup where they were on Planet One Till Nine. Oh, right, right, right. I think it's one of those things where you know he left Marvel in like sixty seven or sixty eight, mm-hmm. and then he bounced around and he worked for like Charlton and he worked for other companies. But when he came back to DC, I think he created like Shade the Changing Man uh, and the and Stalker. The did you ever read Stalker? I don't read read the Stalker, but didn't he also create the Creeper? Creeper would have been in 68 or 69. Uh, this was his return to DC oh, okay. after. But yeah, um, I want to say that he was also right around this time doing uh, Starman, mm. which is funny because I was singing, you know, Prince Gavin, the mm-hmm. Starman with the red mm-hmm. suit from Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it was one of those things where. DC had him on contract and they just handed him stuff uh, when they needed okay. stuff. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, the pirates don't want anything to do with this piece of space trash that they've picked up. So they decide to fight and Ultra <laughs> Boy is able to defeat them and beat them all up until 
uh, Space Hillbilly shows up and says that, Yar, I be the captain of this here vessel. <laughs> I captain hate Ellie Mae Freaks. I hate this. Uh, is it Space what? Pirates or Space Hillbillies? Because she is literally dressed like you would have a <laughs> hillbilly from Pirates of the Caribbean uh, kind she's, of thing. I mean, it is just she's got horrible. pirate boots and Tom Baker's fourth doctor hat. And what seems to be a spangled bikini and like an off-the-shoulder top. Uh, I think what happened was she went on Project Runway for Avant Garde it Week, and it just the badly. worst costume ever. Yeah, it, it just it offends me to look at this. Number Not one, good. and number two, it makes me question: um, Why do we still have space pirates? Why is that such a big deal? I tried to look mm -hmm. around to see, you know, what was the big attraction to to space pirates, especially in the late 70s, early 80s. We've I can understand space pirates in like the 1940s mm -hmm. and the 1950s because you're making that transition from fantasy to sci fi. Right. But I found just a bunch of little conflicting, no definitive answer of why all of a sudden pirates became a big thing in the 1980s. I mean, we've seen uh, ice pirates. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, as a movie, but I don't think that that's, you know, what's driving the pirate craze of this time. I wonder if some of it might've come from Han Solo. I mean, he was maybe, not, I mean, he was definitely a pirate. He wasn't like pirate, was but he wasn't a pirate pirate. Yeah. He wasn't and like, ER. yeah. And he's certainly not wearing like old ancient pirate costumes, like pirates of the Caribbean or something. It, it's just it offends yeah. me to look at all of the costuming in this issue and in but the isn't next this issue. The well. second run of space pirates. Didn't we literally have space pirates yes. like 10 issues ago in an, a yes. literal wooden ship? Yes. I think it's just an example, an, another example of Conway looking to places for inspiration for his stories that don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense in Legion terms, honestly. I mean, we had that whole thing with the, the genie in a bottle and. Ugh, whatever that whole evil thing with Dr. Maya Vale and his I like Ike pin. I'm just right. But and we're even a decade past uh Mud and his girls from Star Trek. True. Yeah. So I have no idea what's going on, and neither does Ultra Boy because he has amnesia. Um and yet he remembers instinctively how to switch from super strength to invulnerability. I think which that, I that think is, is interesting. I think that is probably muscle memory. And, you, think? you know, I, I, you know, he doesn't have a complete mind wipe, right? You know, you always hear people that have amnesia They're What they're really missing is their short term memory. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he's probably had these powers. Uh, well, he's had these powers ever since he got swallowed by the space whale. Right. When he was like but, 16 years old. Yeah. Now he's like 116. So <laughs> I think there's probably some muscle memory going on here or some hand waving that in the back of his brain, he just instinctively knows to switch. He knows. Well, he definitely remembers powers. how to fight, too, because, I mean, 10 alien uh, men from muscle leap on him. Mm -hmm. And even if you're super strong, fighting 10 people at once is going to take, you know, a little bit of skill. So I think you're probably right. I think it may be just a muscle memory thing where he's switched from speed to invulnerability to strength so often that he just he's doing it. Yeah. And I don't think but that this is. I don't think that this is a Gilligan's Island kind of amnesia where you ultra boy got hit on the head with a coconut. And so I the do, only do, way to get do, his um, uh, memory back is to hit him with another coconut. I don't think it's like that, but he has missed his short term memory to the point where he can describe. I remember somebody Pulsar Stargrave, 
mm-hmm. hitting me and me flying off. And I, I've got this, uh, ring that's turned to slag. I don't even know what that means, but I know that I have these powers. And of course, by now he's dressed up in a full on pirate costume with, you know, a handkerchief, polka dot handkerchief and striped oh, pants God, and all this stuff. So it, it, it literally, it is offensive uh, to the is, point where so he's in the, he's alone in the space pirate ladies, uh, cabin. And she's like, Oh, do you have superpowers? And she blasts him right in the chest with her uh, zap gun, which destroys his shirt. And she's just like, I think I've just made this story a heck of a lot sexier. Come here. And then they start like making out. That's just, yeah. But you know, it is 1980. Uh, This book came out in January of 81, actually. So he still doesn't have nipples. You couldn't draw nipples in (laughs) comic books in 1981, even on Ultra Boy. This feels, this whole scene with uh, Pirate Captain and Ultra Boy feels like it's straight out of Kirk kissing an alien kind of moment where it's just like, you know, reverse. Kirk loses his memory and ends up uh, with the, like the Aboriginal native society and ends up doing a whole really American trope where he's like, I don't know if I I would equate to that, but just the whole, every time Kirk kisses uh, the space alien, this just feels like the reverse where it's the woman is now the captain Kirk character. And Mm -hmm. you know, ultra boy is this lost. I don't understand what love is. Yeah. Please teach me, teach me, teach me love. I think that was in the star Trek thing, right? Where she was like telling Kirk, teach me love. And then, uh, Spock had to put on his, uh, hippie outfit and sing about Bilbo Baggins or something. <laughs> wow. Your memory of the seventies is just <laughs> shocking. Me. shocking Actually, me. I think that was a, that would have been, well, that would have been an early seventies Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, bit. Well, so. yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the space pirates decide, the yeah. Meanwhile, the space <laughs> pirates decide that they need to do some space piratey stuff and mm-hmm. they just happen to be out in Pluto. Yeah, Which attacking Pluto. is, again, I guess that's how space works. That mm-hmm. you fly through space and all the planets and then there's Pluto. Yeah, Pluto. Anyway, the Legion Pluto, is part of their... Pluto is the furthest planet from the sun. Hey. Right. Uh, that's also yeah. a, a uh, Leonard Nimoy song. Uh, but it? anyway, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the Legion of Superheroes must respond. So they go flying out. And then the space pirates are like, Hey, we got to go and fight these guys and we're going to destroy their ship. And so I, again, going back to the space pirates, where is the space pirates elements coming from? And mm-hmm. by the design of their space costumes, mm-hmm. uh, not their pirate costumes, but their space outfits. Their space suits, yeah. I can't tell if whoever designed these costumes is a pirate Harlock fan or a <laughs> captain Zargon fan, because either one of those things would fit for the design of these pirates in this issue. Mm-hmm. They're kind of neat. I mean, they, they, I mean, they look like a, almost a superhero version of your spacey space suit only with a pirate skull and bone. Yeah. Have you, have you seen captain Zargon? Have you seen that action figure? No, I haven't. That's not what I'm playing. With. Basically a captain action doll that you dressed in this kind of like space piratey thing to make him mm. a bad guy. And then, um, space pirate Harlock, had the skull and crossbones on his chest. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if these two things are, are related. You know what I wonder? What's that? Why, when they take off in the Legion cruiser, karate kid is handling engineering. I mean, uh, he's I mean, not exactly not? Scotty. Well, okay. Imagine, imagine karate kid. 
We need I more mean, power. All he has I'm to do is push the button. Answer. All he pushing. has to do is push the button that says more power. There you go. Yes, but he's not. I mean, this, this isn't is, like this isn't a complicated spaceship. It is a complicated space. Cosmic Boy is on the gunnery deck. Cosmic Boy and Karate Kid, to me, should switch locations. Because if you have magnetic powers and you're down in the hold and you need to, like, I don't know, uh, fire off a warp core breach or some such, magnetic powers would be helpful. Whereas Karate Kid knows all forms of combat, and combat involves guns. And so, I feel like... Here's the thing. Uh Uh-huh. In a really good team, Mm -hmm. like the Legion of Superheroes are, Okay. You want to make sure that everybody understands the <laughs> pressures and the um, wow. requirements of all of their other team members. So what happens is sometimes Cosmic Boy gets to drive the spaceship and, and blow the little space horn toot toot. And sometimes a uh, phantom girl, she's down in engineering doing the engineering. And sometimes a uh, uh, lightning lad has to be the one that types onto the computers and sometimes Princess Projectra does nothing because she's not interesting. But regardless, everybody <laughs> switches their positions around so that they all understand. And I think this is one of those times where Cosmic Boy up on the uh, the space roster uh, had mm-hmm. to be Gunnery and Karate Kid right. was I'll be in engineering if anybody needs me. Right. Cross training. And of course, someone does need him. So he has to leave engineering and chop through a four foot thick steel door. With one big chop, which, I mean, on the one hand, it's impressive, but on the other hand, uh, it's Ditko. So it doesn't necessarily look so much like he's cutting through the door with a karate chop as he's like blasting as his hand it. as his hand yeah. has disappeared in his. Yeah. Yeah. But Karate Kid and Cosmic Boy both get the uh, stuffing knocked out of them by evil pirate Ultra Boy. Um, and then of course, evil pirate ultra boy almost punches out phantom girl. Right. Before at the he last recognizes, minute, oh, wait, what? Yeah. But Who at the last then? minute, he's like, there's something about no. this girl with black hair. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, the, the pirate lady also has black hair and is drawn the same way. Oh, there <laughs> must be something going on here. I must resist the urge to kiss this girl through my spaceship. And so he, he zaps off, but not before Saturn girl is like, I sense a disturbance in the force. Could it be? Could it be? Huh? I don't know. And then there's, uh, as I said, there's a phantom last or a princess projector just sitting there going, well, I didn't do anything this issue. But you know what? She's got the red modesty panel back in her suit and she can't do anything good while she has that modesty panel for projector to be interesting. You have to be able to see her belly button. I don't make the rules. I just observe them, but I think why does go ahead. Why does Saturn girl feel the need to keep the thought of ultra boy secret? Well, because she doesn't know, right? She's like, I've sensed, you know, it's, it's kind of like when Darth Vader is on, uh, is on the uh, death star and Obi-Wan comes on there and he's like, there's a strange presence that I haven't felt in years. And he doesn't know for sure that it's Obi-Wan Kenobi until they confront each other. And I think that that's what's going on. With Saturn, but girl, now she does. I she senses something, right? She senses something that says this feels like a familiar pattern, but is not. And mm-hmm. I don't want to go around and get everybody's hopes up and say, "Oh, I sensed Ultra Boy on the pirate ship." If it's not really Ultra Boy, mm. 
I don't know. I think if I were the leader of the Legion, I would want my telepath to tell me telepathic things. When um, you have but, 100% confirmation, because we don't want to turn this into a dream girl situation where she's like, I sense, I sense something, something mo- moving. Is it a spaceship? Yes, it's a spaceship. Uh, yes, yes, a spaceship is moving through space. Yes, space, space, because dr- you don't want that right. with your telepath. Deanna Troy just called and she wants you to stop mocking her. <laughs> I'm not mocking Deanna Troy. I am mocking dream girl who doesn't know what the heck she's doing. Okay. And of course, we're also mocking Captain Frake, uh, who dresses like, well, I think she dressed in the dark, to be honest. I'm not entirely sure what any of that has to do with anything. But uh, nonetheless, this is... This issue is weird. This is a, a very much a mixed bag for me because I like... I like kind of the the pacing of the story. I like, mm-hmm. you know, Conway really keeps it moving. This story is always doing and showing and going and thingama, thingama, thingama. And even though the first five issues of story are, you know, Ultra Boy freaking in the purple haze with a flying hippo while somebody else somewhere else is holding his funeral, it really balances the... Ultra Boy is over here and the rest of the Legion is over here better than some of the recent issues have. Although I still get mad when, hey, we have 37 members. Who are we going to take into space? Uh, let's take Projector and Karate Kid. Okay. What about those invulnerable guys and the one dude who's like a flying nuclear furnace? Uh, they're taking a nap. It's fine. I mean, it's their day off. Everybody needs a day off. And you can't always have everybody on duty at the same time. It just doesn't work out that way. But you know what else doesn't work? Uh, this issue, in my opinion. Mm, I would I would have to agree with you in the final analysis because Conway's doing stuff. And uh, boy, I'm sorry. Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko, I will always be thankful for his run on Blue Beetle. I will always be thankful for the question in the first 25 issues of... Uh, Spider-Man, the existence of Dormammu and the the mindless ones, but on Legion of Superheroes, this is just not. No, I'm sorry, Steve. I, you know, I know you're dead and you can't he, hear me. And yeah, he passed away. Well, he's also an objectivist and he doesn't believe that there's anything after it, so he can't even hear me from you know the great beyond. But yeah, I, this I'm going to bring this episode down really, really quick. Oh God, you're going to do. <laughs> I. F- feel bad for Steve Ditko in that I realized that he was a very nice person. And if you came to his door, he would say hello to you. I don't think he would uh, sign autographs for you. And if you met him on the street and you even brought up Spider-Man, he would simply turn around and walk the other way. Cause he never would want to talk to fans that way. So I understand right. that he's a prickly kind of person. I don't think that he was a complete loner, you know, that he didn't, he wasn't in contact with people, but, when you find out that he had been dead two or three days before someone found him, that makes me feel very sad for Steve Ditko. It is. And you know, anytime that sort of things happens, you feel bad. I mean, he's on the record as saying things like, you know, it's not my job to talk to people. My job is the art. Would you have the art? I've produced the art. The art is what you get. Leave me alone. You know, you, you have to feel like, he he made a decision based on what he believed, and his decision was that he didn't necessarily want to interact with people, 
except through the art. You can take it, you can, you know, analyze it, do what you want, and then let him hang out at his apartment and do whatever he wants to do, you know? But I don't know. I feel like you didn't necessarily bring the thing down because this is not a great issue. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like... I don't want to say something terrible like you, you, you. I mean, he's dead. He's not going to come and haunt you or anything. Right. But I mean, I feel like it's bad to say things like, you know, this is, this is the result of your own actions. Cause I feel like that's judgy and I don't know. No, 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 no. I just, I was just getting to the point where yes, he's dead and you know, we can make fun of his stuff, but I also feel kind of sorry f- yeah. for, you know, that he died alone. That That's what I guess is I'm, I'm the most, uh, sad about in that whole story. But the thing is, he lived alone at 90. He was independent at the age of 90, living alone, doing his thing, drawing or not drawing and doing whatever he needed to do. And I think on some level, from an objectivist point of view, I think that's a success. You know, if you you look at the universe in terms, in those absolute terms, and you're just like, yep, I'm 90 years old, I live by myself, and then I die, and then somebody finds me, I'm like, eh, I can, I can see that, but yeah, way to go. You depressed everybody. Sorry, everyone. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion clubhouse member at patreoncom slash major spoilers. So follow up from last um, episode where I was like, I don't know whatever happened to the, uh, members of the tryout squad, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, and so of course Legion Omnicon uh, comes forward and says, "Hey, Nightwind, Berta Sky Harris, Crystal Kid, Bob Cohen, Lamprey, uh, Taylor Scott were fan submissions in Amazing World of DC Comics. Real names are tributes to their creators: Robert Harris, Bob Cohen, and Scott Taylor. Robert Harris—that's not like the Bob Harris, is it? I don't think so, but it might be. Okay. I don't remember." the whole thing. I do know that all of them eventually do become legionnaires, but it all mm-hmm. happens off panel. Uh, yeah. He goes on. Cap. Yeah. Legion Omicron goes on to say in the five year later timeline, Nightwind stayed with the Legion Academy stayed when the Legion Academy turned into the UP military Academy and was killed in the battle of Zolnar Legion of superheroes, volume four, number 15 in a Kundish attack, uh, which we'll get to eventually Lamprey only mm-hmm. appears once in number 57 during the Legion on the run arc. And Crystal Kid joined the five-year uh, gap, but left and became a hanger-on. He was with uh, Catspaw, Dragon Mage, and Computo when uh, they were rescued from the Weisinger Chambers. But he wasn't invited back to the Legion of Superheroes. He uh, later also appears during the Legion on the Run. Finally, post-Infinite Crisis, though, in the reboot, they made a couple of appearances in Adventure Comics 524 and 528. All three graduated from the Legion Academy, finally, and into the ranks of the Science Police. So thank you, Legion Omnicon, for that. And one of the things I also brought up in the last episode was that I'm not a huge fan of Block. Uh, I think he's overpowered. I think he's boring. I think he is trying to be the thing to uh, Wildfire's Johnny Storm. But I did want to find out from you, Matthew, why are you a huge Block fan? What is it about Block that makes you uh, all giddy and excited about Block? The thing that I really enjoy about the character is that he feels like a truly alien alien, not just like, you know, we've got legionnaires who are allegedly alien, like Brainiac 5, and we've got characters like Tellus, who I feel maybe push it a little too far, 
where they're like, hey, yeah, he's this uh, flying yellow eel monster, uh, and he's got a bubble on his head and a purple face. And I feel like Block is an alien mind perspective. Every time you see Block in the Legion, he's kind of just sort of doing his own thing. His best friend ends up being Timberwolf. And you know how Timberwolf is that lone wolf where he doesn't really want friends, but he ends up being, he and Block end up being kind of a, a pairing, a team, mm-hmm. because Block is just kind of quiet and trying to figure it out. And there's this long sequence where it kind of feels like they're writing Block as young. And I remember an interview with uh, Giffen, where Giffen says that in his mind, Block is 12 years old. Mm. Uh, because he doesn't know what's fully grown for a dryad. And later on, when we get further on down into the run here in a few years, we'll start having issues where Block starts getting into his race's literal kind of uh, teenage years. And he starts changing and, and being this weird volcanic mess. And I really like the perspective on the character, but I feel like what really sells it is Steve Lytle who was the Legion artist when I started really, really enjoying the book. Lytle's block is just a wonderful character. Uh, And if you want to know who Steve Lytle or what his art looks like, you can actually go to the Wikipedia for block. Um, I actually uploaded that image uh, and made some character biography changes to that several years ago. But it's really interesting to me because I get the whole, you know, hey, there's a ton of stone guys. But the thing about uh, The Thing, for instance, he's the stone guy. But his deal is not, I'm the guy made of stone. His deal is, I'm the guy whose determination is always going to be there. With Block, it just comes into this thing where it's like, he's this big, strong guy who kind of wanders around and he's trying to figure things out. And he gets to be like the cabbage head where they explain things to him sometimes. And he gets to have a weird little romance with the White Witch. And it, it really does feel like a teenage story to me. And I really enjoy that. Plus, mm. you know, I always glom onto the guys who are the weirdos on the side. Mm. Okay, there you go, ladies. Legion of Superheroes, number 275. Synopsis of Pride, Passion, and Piracy. Published May 1981. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Jimmy James. Synopsis. A legionnaire becomes a space pirate? 275. Apparently, we're still using Leader Man after all these decades, which again, I hate. Leader Man. Leader Man. Does it's, whatever. it's just really dumb. Hey, Leader Man, why don't you make a decision? He's like, I am trying to make a decision if you'll shut up, Wildfire. We're going after these space pirates. They're out at Pluto, which is, uh, what does he say, 30, 40, 40 AU. It's not a planet anymore. It's a planetoid. Back in 1980, it would have been considered a planet. I think it's considered a dwarf planet now. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's where I do some um actuallys. Um, actually... They say like uh, 40 astronomical units. Yes, they say that it's 40 astronomical units away. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Pluto would be 39 astronomical units away from the sun because we measure uh, one astronomical unit is the distance from the sun to the earth. So Mm -hmm. for them to say that they are 40 AU away at Pluto, they're really actually about 38 
AU away from Earth, from the location that they're at. Oh, well, allow me to retort, uh, Stephen. In the year 3000, uh, when this story takes, actually the year 2981, you'll note, uh, you, you've heard of uh, the Big Bang and the expanding universe theory. Uh, the universe is bigger in the year 3081. Not, not, not by that much. Sorry. Sorry to break, no, it is. Sorry to break your, your science. Uh, sorry to break your science there, uh, DC, but, uh, you know, stick to your flash facts. Be nice. Here's the other you thing. Know what? Uh, How can here, you be mean to a book that has a beautiful Dave Cockrum cover like this? Uh, because uh, one of our listeners uh, over there on uh, the Twitter was like, how come Ultra Boy is so angry when two women are fighting over him? Have you ever been fought over by two women? It's yes. not always pleasant. But uh, I'll be honest. I don't think this is a super great cover myself. Oh, anyway. I love it. I love, I love the, just the breakdown. I love the anatomical stuff. It's the only time that I have ever looked at Captain Frakes and said, this character could have been cool from no, some angle. The, no, there's nothing about that costume that makes this character <laughs> cool. I'm sorry. I didn't say and she was cool. I said this, this makes me think she might have been cool at one time. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, Phantom Girls got these crazy, crazy look in her eyes that is yeah yeah so it's just like no i think ultra boy your decision to use your um overweight powers to lock yourself down to the ground so they can't pull on you is a good thing meanwhile speaking of ultra boy they're trying to move cargo and some Mm -hmm. of the pirates don't like the fact that uh, he's only been with the crew for one day and he's already hooked up with the captain and Mm -hmm. uh so they're going to try to set their phasers to kill and do whatever (laughs) they can to take people out there's there's a whole lot of not love for ultra boy in the ranks yeah. of the space pirates. But why, why does he want to call himself seeker? I don't understand. He's like, call uh, me well, seeker. Here's the thing. He looked under chairs. He looked under tables. He tried to find his name in 50 million fables. They call him the seeker and he's searching low and high for his identity. I don't buy that at all, but I mean, it is just like, he won't get to get what he's asking for till the day he dies, which is at the end of this issue. Oops, spoilers. I call me seeker. Uh-huh. All right, Fred. Seeker. lift. Yeah. Hey, a stinker. Go lift up in that box. Way. And hey, in the in the words of uh, George Van Smoot, uh, known to everyone as the captain, a real man chooses his own nickname. And so if Joe wants to be called seeker. I believe that Joe should be called seeker. Meanwhile, he can't get Phantom Girl out of his mind, even when he goes back to smooching a pirate lady, uh, Captain Franks. Uh, you know, she always steps over. Franks. She always steps over the chair with, with one. Franks. She always steps over a chair with the one leg and sits down. <laughs> yep. I remember. Um, while she's making out, while he's making out with her, she's like, you don't kiss me like you used to kiss me. You must be thinking of somebody else. And he's like, yes, it was the girl on that on that ship. I can't get her out of my mind. I think I've made out with her before. And then, uh, captain, uh, the captain is all upset at the, yeah. In the meantime, I don't understand any of that. He's known her for like two minutes, a couple of days. They've had a, uh, enough chances to get it on. They've been doing a lot of that, uh, in, in the meantime, uh, I'm sure. I guess they are, and they've yeah. made it to the secret pirate planet, wherever the heck that is. Uh, it's, it's new Tortuga. We've actually seen it before. Oh yeah. 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 I, I forgot to mention, uh, Tortuga, means mm-hmm. turtle. So this is the new turtle planet. Yeah. New Tortuga was the home. Uh, it's called the pirate planetoid. It's the home of 
Dynamo Boy. If you remember Dynamo Boy from oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Adventure 330, took over the Legion. New Tortuga is actually, uh, I believe, a reference to a Caribbean island called Tortuga, which was known for pirate activity on Earth. Uh, okay, well, there you go. It's but, also It also means turtle, so there you yeah. go. New Tortuga. And uh, what's... But, What's going on with, um, what's going on with, with, uh, Timberwolf? Well, uh, as a child, he got his ears caught in a mechanical rice picker. Is that what uh, the, is that what they're going with? Because man, I don't his, know, uh, man, his ears are out of control. He's got Batman cowl ears in his hair and his actual ears literally go up to the top of his skull. It's so it's not good, but he's in also the previous he's in the previous. Out. Yeah, in the previous episode, he's like talking to Light Lass and it's just like, I fear my time is not here. Like he's dying or something, right? And right. then in this issue, he's talking like, I've always been a lone wolf and I need oh. to be a lone wolf. And the only reason why I'm here is because of you, Light Lass. I need just to run you. free. Are they trying to like cut him loose? Is Conway just I, like, I am done with this character. Wolverine's obviously more popular than, than this guy. Time to cut <laughs> him loose. I feel like they're trying to differentiate the various Legionnaires. And I feel like having a character who doesn't want to be part of a team, but is part of the team because he's in love with another team member, that's kind of a cool hook. I mean, yes, you know? if you're Wolverine. Well, yeah, but this is the thing. Wolverine isn't Wolverine yet in 1981. We're barely into uh, the Dark Just, Phoenix saga at this yeah. point. So, you know, a lot he hasn't of confessed, that, He hasn't confessed his love for Jean Grey by this time. No, that happens in like 84, 84. Uh, what's, what's the other one that he, uh, that he brings along Storm? with him? The weird one. No, Kitty Pride. That weird uh, he relationship. Never, he was never in love with Kitty. Kitty was 13 years old. I know. It's a very weird relationship, though. He, he has this thing for being the big brother mentor. It's a, it's a deal. But yeah, Timberwolf's ears, nuts. Just nuts. So yeah, we and don't also, we, we don't really know what's going on. I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, they decide to start sprinkling into the story so that it can pay off in in twenty episodes or twenty. Well, and we get the same thing out of Colossal Boy. Uh, we see Colossal Boy out to dinner with Shadow yeah. Lass and Onel, and Colossal Boy is kind of getting this weird. I don't understand why my mom doesn't life. love me. I guess it's yeah. because I'm so clumsy. It's very weird, and it is kind of awkward because. Uh, the the whole mom thing is 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 problematic to me because we have at this point established that Jim is in fact the only Jewish person at DC Comics circa 1981, and having this character obsessing about his mom and being weird and klutzy and doubting himself, I'm just like, mm, that feels a, a little bit stereotypical to me. I don't know. Um, this for this doesn't actually last as long as it could have, but it's another example of, you know, trying to give each person kind of a, a Marvel style personality. You know, this is about the time in comics where they really, really started leaning into Green Arrow, the loudmouth fighting with Hawkman, the stick in the mud uh, conservative guy. So I feel like everybody is getting these, these broad strokes personalities that hopefully will be muted down a little bit. Mm -hmm. You notice wildfire is also more of a jerk than ever in the last couple of issues. Yeah. I mean, but he's always a jerk anyway. True. The Legion, the Legion arrives at the, at new Tartuga and starts blowing everything up. 
causing all the pirates to scramble. They're all working together in the team. Dawnstar is using her expert tracking abilities to dodge laser blasts because that's how tracking mm-hmm. works. Uh, right, meanwhile, right. uh, Jonah has decided that he's uh, not going to be a pirate. He fights against them. Saturn girl understands. Oh yes, I'm picking up his good, good, good vibrations. And uh, I can tell everybody what's going on. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the pirate princess has a death weapon that she's going to train upon the, uh, Alderaan. Nah, well, I mean, or not really, but the, you know, she's, she's screaming from hell's dark heart. I stab at the crack. And meanwhile, uh, Jonah jumps in front of the mega weapons blast. Mm-hmm. And once again, disappears. Uh, he's, and he's gone killed. and dead for good this time. Can I point out something that bothers me about this? The, the whole issue. I, I, actually, when go the, ahead, because I have, a, I have a deeper question. When the Legion shows up, mm-hmm. Captain Frakes goes, oh, no, that's a Legion cruiser. She's yeah. aware of the Legion right, enough to is. recognize their ship, but not that her boyfriend is wearing 80% of an Ultra Boy costume. Well, I mean, he's and I think that's got the green belt and the green trunks. So let me ask pants. you this. So yes. let me ask you this. You mm-hmm. know what an F-15 looks like, right? Yes. You know that that's a U.S. military ship. Yes. Uh, airplane. Yes. Do you know if you saw just a I know person, what Tom Cruise looks like. I know what I know, Val Kilmer but, looks like. But if you just saw a person walking down the street who was like, I can't remember anything, would you automatically mm-hmm. assume that they're a member of the U.S. Air Force? Is he dressed like Superman? No, he's really not because his uniforms, you know, he's got the shirt ripped open and she's like, look at hunky McHunk boat. I'm going to sl- okay. slice me but off a big old hunk of that Ultra and give me Boy's some costume with the shirt ripped open is still clearly a superhero I'm, costume. I'm not. I think it would. I think it's going to be far easier for someone to recognize a vessel mm-hmm. and also point out that, oh, no, that's not the original vessel. That's their backup ship. They even call oh, that no. part out. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think, you know, we don't see a lot of interactions with the Legion of superheroes with the general populace. Right. So like even when Jim and Monel and, um, shadow lass are all having dinner together, Mm -hmm. you don't see people looking, looking at them or coming up and getting autographs and that kind of stuff. They just might be like, Oh, there's a blue lady. Um, so they don't really recognize. I don't think that the Legion has a good PR agent, Who's going out mm-hmm. there and putting posters everywhere, you know, where you've Marley. got a giant colossal, you've got a giant colossal boy, uh, on the poster standing next to the, you know, next to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and saying, eat your vegetables, kids, and you can grow big like me. Um, I don't okay. think that they, I don't think that they have that kind of PR. So I'm not, I, I see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but I don't think that Legion members are recognizable on site, especially when they're missing their, their emblem on their chest. So let's say you're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. It's 1973. And a man walks up to you. He's about five foot six. Uh, he's an Asian man. He's wearing a yellow jumpsuit with black stripes, but it's ripped apart to where it's not all there. And he mm-hmm. looks really, really, really like a, a, a really, really good kind of fighty kicky dude, right? Would you not go, this dude's trying to look like Bruce Lee? 
And let's say Bruce Lee was missing. Bruce Lee was missing. I, so number and, one, and, we don't know that Ultra Boy is missing. Number two, I'm not racist in just assuming that all Asians are Bruce Lee. Oh no, you <laughs> did not. Uh, number oh. three, yeah, he hasn't been. No, he hasn't been no, missing. No, he hasn't been missing that long. He hasn't been missing that long. And the Legion intentionally, I think, is not making a big deal that he's missing. I mean, there's not a big, um, there's not a big field day at, at Ultra Boy's funeral, right? There's not like a bunch of reporters on hand. So I see where you're coming from. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you on that assessment. Um, here's the thing that I do have a more intense question on based on the feedback from Twitter. Yes. This is a reviled arc. It is. Yes. Um, Why? And this is, well, there's a couple of reasons. This, these two issues are a complete story that roll out of the Pulsar Stargrave nonsense and roll right. into something even more convoluted. And I think the basic reason that it all falls apart is in 273, Ultra Boy died right 274 ultra boy is being mourned but he's not dead 275 ultra boy dies 276 we start off on this new arc and um things happen and it's it's really a question of at this point it's a hat on a hat in the last three issues we have seen ultra boy die twice and be presumed dead and then we're going to roll into one of the Honestly, I'm going to say it, but probably my choice for the worst Legion story ever. And just like, nerf. so yeah, I think part of it is a question of good creators doing stuff that just isn't appropriate for the Legion mm. and rolling just downhill and more convolutions and more ridiculous nonsense. And by the time we get out of this, I'm honestly surprised when we get, you know, into the two nineties and the book starts getting really good again, because <sighs> these are bad. I mean, these are just bad, man. The reason why I bring this up is, you know, a lot of people are very upset about this. Uh, even uh, Mike RW on Twitter reached out to our Legion clubhouse uh, Twitter handle and said, I stopped reading comics for a while in the middle of this story arc was kind of disappointed in how they incorporated Reflecto, who I had been waiting years to see. So a little bit of a spoiler coming up from that. But this was so bad that people were just like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm out with, with the Legion, which is sad. It is. And part of the, I think, the real issue here is it doesn't feel like there is a direction for this. It kind of feels like it's all off the top of their heads. I mean, this issue is entitled the pride, the passion and the piracy or some such. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's a nonsensical title. Uh, if you look at the cover, the things that we see on the cover really don't happen. That happened last issue and the issue before, honestly, too. But, you know, we've got a series of strange creative choices. And uh, in the case, I think of Ditko, just a, a bad creative choice. You've got Conway doing things that once again, feel like they're starting to be more legiony but also space pirates and captain frakes is just horrible there's ugh. i mean really yeah o o overall uh just a boring couple of issues for me yeah that wraps it up for this installment of the legion clubhouse matthew what did we learn this week 
I think the first thing that we learned is that Element Lad is still alive. Also, space pirates suck. And most importantly, uh, Wildfire thinks that some of the Legionnaires don't have thumbs. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. If you want to follow us on our Twitter uh, at Legion Clubhouse, we certainly would love for you to join the conversation. Comments, questions, whatever, drop us an email. Podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And until next time, be like the water, man. And I'm invisible something. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.